This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Jess is that very quintessential 8 that has a larger-than-life, affable, but don't-mess-with-me vibe that we can now partly attribute to the fact that her sexual instinct is last- You'll hear a few stories where I simply cannot relate to her response, where she is willing to boldly interject for the sake of the group and then completely let go. She will then walk away right at the point where I would just be getting started. Right when she no longer feels like it's her job is precisely when me, with my sexual instinct first, feel like I am starting to come into my own feel like I am exactly where I need to be. The pressing endpoints that we each have are completely different, which is really fascinating and a really good way to teach you about the difference in eight instinctual drives. Anything new since we last chatted? Still fighting, still playing piano. How are your fighting? Piano. What's your record? <laughs> Not great. I am uh, 0-3. <laughs> How are you winning? <laughs> Not as much as I would like to. I'm taking tough fights every time. So of course, like the the, the competition's good, and I'm improving every time. Getting better every fight is good for me. Like if I just kept getting worse, then I would probably find something else to do. But <laughs> <laughs> the last tournament I did, I placed third at it's called the tba classic in iowa and it's an international event and so got beat out by canada that feels <laughs> like you're winning that doesn't third does not feel like losing yeah well i lost to canada so i lost <laughs> <laughs> i'm super excited to do this interview mostly because we're the same people so <laughs> yeah can you okay. introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what your stacking is my name is jessica i live in oklahoma i'm an eight wing seven if you do wings but um my stacking is social and then self-prez and then sexual i thought you were social sexual but you're actually social self-prez so we are a little bit little bit different so john lukovich says that social eights have more immense energy for people and they tend to be more gentle and approachable they're classic protectors and find fulfillment in mentoring or advocating for others and helping others find their own power do you relate to that yeah for sure i definitely do have like a lot more like he said, immense energy for people just in general. It's really hard for me to like be thrown into a group of people and not find a way to like make a party of it or <laughs> like <laughs> someone's going to end up my friend. And it's funny because here living in like in Oklahoma, it's kind of a melting pot, especially here in the city, you know, people from all backgrounds and cultures. And so like, I don't know, everybody's friendly and everybody's cool. And so anytime I travel to like cities on the east coast where it seems like people are a little bit more reserved it's always awkward whenever we're like standing in line like chit-chatting at a coffee shop and people are like mind your own business like why are you talking to me and you're like hey how's it going (laughs) I, i always joke and say that i'm an energy vampire i don't know there's a there's a show called what we do in the shadows and it's about vampires and it's really silly you should watch it but they have what's called an energy vampire and he basically like gets all of his energy from like social situations Uh. and it can be like positive or negative like it doesn't matter to him and I'm like kind of the same way like if we're making a connection and having fun and like doing all the adventurous things together like that's great but if I need to like stir the pot because it's going the (laughs) other way like that's okay too (laughs) So I'm going to go over a quick attributes of the social eight quickly, and then you can touch on what you kind of relate to or what you don't relate to. 
So okay. the social eight is the counter type of the eights. Typically eights rebel against social norms, but the social eight were more oriented toward protection and loyalty of people. We're quite adaptable. And typically they, it's said that eights are not the most adaptable, but social eights are quite adaptable. We show up a lot softer, we're more loyal or overtly friendly and a little less aggressive, maybe more nurturing or protective and aware of others. We're a lot more approachable. And the eight lust and aggression is usually portrayed in the service of life of, and other people. We often see and are concerned with the bigger picture and how it might affect the group as a whole. Do you agree with those? Oh yeah, like to a T for sure. <laughs> like every single thing. I think especially with my job and like what I enjoy, a lot of those things are just like necessary elements for me to like conduct my life. Like Can you tell I us love what your job is? Yeah. So um I play the piano professionally and I have a full time studio that I teach out of. And as much as I love performing and connecting with people that way, I really get a lot out of teaching students and empowering them and helping them improve and gain confidence. I wouldn't necessarily care if they played their song completely wrong. Like if they gained confidence from it, like that's what I'm all about. So anything where I can like be there for someone to like boost their confidence and connect with them, um, I'm all about it. So whether it's in the gym or, you know, teaching piano, I don't know, that's just like a necessary element in my life that I don't think I could live without. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I think the empowering of other people is just like my operating mechanism. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, talking about like being protective, I kind of had an incident yesterday. I was at the gym. So I'm like recovering from a little injury. And so I can't do like my normal workout. So I went to like a fitness gym just to do a little bit of cardio. And I was um, on a bike because I was like, this is easy. This guy was like yelling at his son on the Stairmaster of all things. And this kid's like 13, 14, maybe like he's pretty young, like probably definitely middle school. And he's not having a good time. Like he's upset. Like you can see it all over his face, but he's just like suffering through the Stairmaster. And his dad is just like constantly like yelling at him and berating him. Meanwhile, homeboy's like probably my height. So like five, three man, but you know, he's kind of like a double wide mm -hmm. stature small dick energy for sure but <laughs> yeah. anyway he's just like not letting up on this kid and this kid is like pretty much trying to hold back tears at this point because I don't think it's even obviously about the kid working out it's the dad like acting like that in front of a whole entire gym and so I kind of have like different levels when I see like someone is being mistreated or disrespected socially in a situation where I like start slow as far as like confrontation, I don't just like jump in and be like, hey, man, you need to back off. Usually the first level is like stern eye contact. And so I started giving like pretty direct eye but contact. I'm watching you. you. Are uh -huh, you aware uh -huh. that I'm watching you? Yep. Right. And I had kind of like scoped the environment within like the gym too. And the gym manager is like hiding behind his little office window, like pretending mm -hmm. to clean something because he's scared. And then like the other people working out are other women. And so they're uncomfortable. And so everybody, it was very clear that nobody was going to do anything, but everyone was uncomfortable. And so I was like, okay, like, let's just deal with this. And so I like start with like the stern eye contact. So the guy starts noticing me and he's still yelling at his kid. And then I take my AirPod out, continue the stern eye contact. And then he like kind of glances at me, but he's still like not letting up. And so I like take both of my earbuds out and then stop my exercise and like fully turned to him and I was like hey are you okay and he was like no I'm not okay do I look okay blah, blah, blah. and he was just like 
<laughs> losing his little mind. And I was like, okay, well, if you can't get okay real quick, I'm going to need you to leave. And he was like super shocked. I was like, yeah, some of us are trying to work out here. And I don't know, like most people work out to relieve stress. And it seems like you're really stressed. So what if you've got some like personal shit going on, just like go handle that privately, please. So either like calm down or just go. You're causing a scene and it's not cool. <laughs> And he just, like, couldn't think of anything to say. So he, like, grabs his kid off the machine and they, like, go into this little waiting area that's a little bit further down in the room. And they, like, start having, like, a quieter conversation. Uh, So we all kind of, like, continue our workout. And then, like, a few seconds later, this man is sobbing. He's, like, crying. (laughs) And they're like, you made that guy cry. And I was like, good. Because you said, are you okay? He needed to handle that. So anyway, it got handled and maybe he got some healing and hopefully apologized to his kid. Yeah. I have to tell you how much I love this story because it is 1000% exactly what I would have done. As you were telling me what was happening, I was like envisioning what I would have done. And it was Uh exactly that. And my way of dealing with people that are being horrible and harming people is to say to them, are you okay? Because it unnerves them. And they're not okay. They're also people in pain, right? Well, I've noticed with a lot of people that act like that, it's because of an insecurity. Mm -hmm. And they're acting from an insecurity. And so if you, like, come at them with something that makes them already defensive, it's not really going to make any progress. But if you kind of ask them a direct question, like, "Are are you doing okay? Hey, do you need something? then they've got to stop and think. And they're like, oh, shit, maybe I'm not okay. Which and so is, it kind of like flips their mindset for a second. Which also plays into the social piece that we have this superpower of being able to read people and the situation yeah. as a whole, right? We know where this will yeah. go, depending on which avenue a, we this take. This is a good time for me to interject with how <laughs> foreign it all is. First of all, just like so in awe of the awareness of the whole room and you taking in um, the temperature and how everybody was kind of witnessing it and aware of it. But that's mm-hmm. not even that to me isn't the biggest wild thing. It's that you have levels of confrontation. <laughs> I just like it's fascinating to me because that is just not a thing uh, with a sexual eight. I would have been so consumed by the body reactivity that I would have made a bunch of assumptions that were not fair. So I probably would have immediately said, you are doing this to your kid. You like I would have um, attacked them. Yeah. And that's a real struggle that I find I have is my emotion paints a picture that isn't fair. And my reactivity paints a picture that isn't fair. The way you handled it and the way socials handle it is to give a lot of space and a lot of. Yeah room for more information to come in because Mm -hmm. you guys are more aware so I'm just going to commend you for that I'm also going to say I bet your scanning of the room and all that information you took in happened in about Uh 10 seconds yeah it was literally like one glance like I'm always scanning like anywhere I go as soon as I (laughs) enter a room or a building like I've already clocked everything that I need to see in the first glance here's another question though when he started weeping was there anything in you that felt like you should go over and ask more. No, that's not my problem. That's his problem. The story for me, the part that caught my attention was his tears. That is where I come in and I would have been like, let's go deeper. What is going on here? And that's when I would have 
played a role that may or may not have been more. Okay. Yeah, whereas you guys disengaged at that point. Well, so no, I think it's different for me because I have sexual second. So the tears would have caused me to do something like buy the guy a coffee. I, mm. I wouldn't have gone deep into his personal issues because I would have felt like I was invading, but I would have felt compelled to do something to connect and say, hey, I see you. Yeah, that's super interesting. That's so cool. I wish like the three of us could like go into Back situations into together. <laughs> Can you imagine? We would have the whole problem solved because we could handle Just it step by step. Everyone in the whole world. <laughs> Which again, I think is why some of us don't look like your typical, like social eights don't look like typical eights, right? Because we are yeah. a little bit more aware of if I react like this, I'm not going to get the reaction from that person that I, I need or I want to make mm-hmm. this... solution arguably I don't look like a typical eight because I'm going into someone who's crying and saying like let me hold you let me hold space Uh yeah right that's That's the weird thing about sexual one of the big things about being social is once the situation was handled for the room it wasn't my responsibility anymore and that's why the crying didn't bother me because I'm like okay he's kind of like working that out himself even though I am social, I'm not necessarily empathetic. And that may be because sexuals last for me. But like that guy crying, I'm like, okay, it's fine. He's sorting that out. It's okay. If you had sexual sec- second, then it may be like easier for you to be empathetic towards people that have yeah. feelings. But I still don't have that myself. No, I do. I hold a lot of empathy. So I wonder if that is the sexual coming second and being aware of the dynamics in the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you find that you hold a lot of power? Uh, yeah, whether I realize it or ask for it or not, it just kind of happens. <laughs> it's funny, I'm on the board for the Oklahoma Music Teachers Association, and I kind of got like thrown into it as like a baby young professional. And now I'm like on the executive board and we make like a lot of big decisions. I'm like, y'all really wanted to give this to me? Like, the- <laughs> I bring the average age down a lot. (laughs) I'm like the crazy one with pink hair and, you know, tattoos everywhere. Yeah, it just kind of happens where it's like when it comes to decisions or groups that I'm in, everybody kind of like looks to me to lead. And I'm happy to do that, especially for the people that I care about. Um, I feel like I'm good at setting boundaries between like, okay, you want me to do this, but I don't have space for that. So I'm going to hand it back or whatever. I'm happy to do it for the things that I care about. Do you feel like you're making impact in that role? Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine being in that role and not being able to be impact anyone? I don't know. I feel would like you I stick c- with it. I would stick with it because I would believe that I could get there. If it was very clear cut that it would never ever happen, then I would probably leave it and then find something else to like make my mission happen. It's not that people don't tell me no very often, but it's more like just because your way is going to be a barrier doesn't mean I can't get around it. My husband is a no person. He's self-pressed. So everything is immediately, nope, we can't do that. And I don't see the stop signs. Like there's no stop signs in my world. There are yield signs and there uh-huh. are bumps and mountains and ways around. But there's no, yeah. stop signs don't exist. The, the, we can't do it. doesn't exist in my world. Every single thing is Same. possible. It might come at a cost I'm not willing to pay. So I may not do sure. it. Right. But I can always make it happen. It's just yeah. a de- decision comes down later to do I want to give up whatever it is I need to give to make it mm-hmm. happen. I'm the same way. It's like, okay, well, just because you told me no doesn't mean I can't do it. We're and let's make something that. happen. And what that looks like, 
or how we can get around that. And if we still come uh-huh. to the conclusion that this isn't the right decision, well, that's fine. One of the hardest <laughs> things for me is people just being like, no, we can't do that. Nothing yeah, well, that's almost a challenge. You're like, excuse me, did you just invite me to make this happen? My mom is the one, you know, she loves her rules and guidelines. And I just kind of destroy all of that. I'm kind of like a tornado to her comfort of of rules. <laughs> it works all well together. Can you hold rules if they are something that you're not against? Leo yeah, Rupert? for sure. Yeah, if it's something that doesn't bother me, it's no big deal. And it's not that I have like issues with authority. If there's a, someone that has authority over me and I disagree with something that they're doing, then if I am in the position to where it would be appropriate to bring it up and talk to them about it, then that's great. But if it's kind of one of those things where some things are like, not my monkeys, not my circus, where it's like, okay, I might not love this, but in the grand scheme of things, this isn't something that I want to pursue. So I'll just let it go. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. Not to me. (laughs) (laughs) The only time I cannot hold a rule is if it impacts me directly and I do not see the benefit of the rule. Or it's harming the bigger picture or the bigger group. Yeah, most of the stuff that like, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to push it is if, you know, if it's illegal. I'm like, okay, we're not, we're not messing with that. Like, I guess I'll stick, I'll abide by the law. That's fine. I'm kind of the same way where it's like, okay, let's find the avenues that we need to take to make the proper steps happen to change. And I don't feel like I have to do this all by myself. Who who can I network with that has these connections that might be better at this than me yeah, or yeah. whatever? And so you just like kind of connect all the dots and be like, okay, what do we need to do to make this happen? Boom, let's go. So some of the literature also talks about how we, we need to make a big splash within our community and to impact our friends or family. And then it says the desire can be harnessed positively or negatively for being of service to others or for your own personal power or your control or manipulation founded by a sense of entitlement to others, respect and attention. Do you relate to that? Not a whole lot. I don't care what other people think about me one way or another. Like I don't need people's approval or praise. I know like three is in my subtype, but I don't need that. Like I'm happy to do it for me or for the people that I care about. So I don't know, making an impact for people that I care about, I'm going to do that no matter who's watching. Can you stay in relationships where you don't feel like you're making any impact? That's really hard for me because it's maybe not so much where the relationship grows. Like it can be like a casual like friendship or whatever, where we don't go deep all the time. That's fine. But if it's someone that's asking me for advice and then they just continue to make poor decisions or they do things that are dumb and making their lives worse then like I can't really be around that energy I agree it's draining or if it's someone that lies to me I know that's probably every eight obviously but (laughs) if they're not genuine and like I said it it can still be like a surface level relationship but if they're not honest we've got that radar where you can tell if they're solid or not I don't have time for people that are fake either I don't know that any eight does we don't (laughs) we can't pretend (laughs) yeah it's just not possible Are you willing to go against the group or against others to fight for something you believe in? Will you stand alone? Yeah, for sure. So if eights are willing to stand alone to fight, they will fight and go against because they believe they have the power and influence. And if they have enough confidence, people will join them in their fight. People tend to think that one person can't do anything, but we believe that one person with enough confidence can get others to join the fight with them. So we will be the one. Yeah, I relate to that 100%. It's kind of that big picture thinking, right? Where you've got this vision and you're like, okay, nobody else sees this yet, but like, I've got this, I can get this started. And once people see me doing it, they're going to like, 
see the benefit of it and they're going to jump in with me. And then it just kind of continues to grow. Do you feel like when that happens that you have a choice or do you have to go for it and bring them in? Yeah, I don't know that there's a choice. I think you just have to do it. That's what I was getting to because I feel like because it's, it's like because if you're going to ask me like yes or no on this, we're like, what do you, there is no, it's not a yes or no. Like you, ha- <laughs> you have to do it. Like, why are you asking a question? Like, <laughs> Jump on board, please. And meanwhile, I have a lot of fear and vulnerability around everything to do with that. I have the confidence to lead myself mm-hmm. and my people that look to me, but I would feel very vulnerable stepping out to lead a group because I'm not at all sure they'd follow me. And then I'd feel the rejection. Only 10% usually go for what I'm offering right. because I'm so uh-huh. particular. So I don't have a group flavor, which means I'm used to the rejection from 90%. So why would I ever think that I could step out and a group of people would follow me? Whereas I think that we feel like if we don't step out, we're not gonna be able to breathe the next breath. <laughs> Yeah, my body's going whether I want to or not in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing it. Like I can't not. Or... And people feel that and that's why they trust you. Like a lot of right. the time because the three competents yeah. first of all mm-hmm really do literally think they can do anything they decide they want to do it's like this wild confidence and then you've got the um social instinct that has the group mobilizing so that's wild it's quite a combo yeah i don't know it's a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> well it helps too i think that we're also known this the social is is known as being very charismatic we use humor and all sorts of things to draw people in and connect i think we just are generally likable with the way that we have vision for things a lot of times even if it's like we're standing up towards a cause that's fighting against something, we're probably never going to spin it or phrase it that way. We're probably going to say, we're doing this to improve this and make this a better thing. So it's always a positive (laughs) cause, even if it's technically like fighting against something. Yeah. Do you find that when your impact is over, you move on? I think so. Yeah, well, don't always have staying power. And it just depends on what it is. If it's something that I want to continue being involved in, then, you know, I'll do that as long as I need to. But if it's something where it's like, I've gotten this thing started and now there's a team of people fully capable of doing this without me, then I'm happy to hand it off and let them continue to thrive in that. I think it just kind of depends on like, if it's something that I want to stay in, Or if it's, okay, I've empowered these people and they've got it. And then I can just go on to the next thing. I think that's my favorite thing. Seeing a vision, building it, empowering others, and then handing it over. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most rewarding things to me, just in general, in my life is empowering someone. And then once they have kind of fully gained confidence in whatever it is that they were trying to achieve, just letting them be and like letting them thrive. It's fun to watch people thrive after you've Mm -hmm. kind of like help kind of go that direction yeah I think my biggest fear is having people be completely dependent on me yeah (laughs) so rewarding to see people become the best part of themselves too when you meet new people do you look for connection I ask this because I walk in Uh and I didn't realize this till we started these interviews but I walk in a room and I the first thing I'll say is oh hi how are you know how are you where do you live what school do your kids Mm -hmm. go to like I am looking for something where I can say oh I know someone who goes there do you know so and so like I'm trying to find a connection some of some sort always and I didn't even know I was doing that till recently yeah I'm obviously very extroverted but even if I'm just like in a grocery store and, you know, someone has the same pair of shoes that I do or whatever. Like, oh, hey, I like your shoes. And they're like, oh, yeah. cool. Huh? And <laughs> like, you kind of like gauge the situation. Like if they want to continue like chatting or talking or whatever, yeah. then you like can find things in common. But I can literally like be alone in a foreign country and like 
find some way to connect with people on something. Joe, when you go to connect with Sounds people. Sounds so boring to me. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you're like, what is your so heart? Boring. Tell me your heart. No, literally, like, I found the story about the gym not all that interesting until he started crying. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I don't think I'll engage until there is something really deep going on. I have dozens and dozens of times approached people who are weeping. It just feels like pulling teeth. If I've got to go talk to someone that's having big feelings, uh, do I have to? <laughs> they are clearly going through something like, why do you need me? Like, what? <laughs> can we just like, let it like, give them a safe area, you know, give them their space. People is need that, space. Is, is it safe to say that that's what you'd want? And so that's your... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas that's not what I want, right? I definitely would want to express... The death. Okay. You would yeah. want a stranger to walk up to you in that? Oh, 100%. <laughs> that sounds awful. I actually would prefer a stranger to someone I know because that's, to me, it's like too enmeshed. No, because in two seconds, I'd realize we know someone in common. And oh. now, like, no. Yeah. yeah. I love deep things with strangers. It's like, I have a whole highlight. <laughs> Jess, you know this. I have a whole highlight on my Instagram called Loving Strangers. Yes. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Yes, and I love following your Instagram too, because <laughs> we're so different. We're so different. <laughs> so this kind of goes for like when I'm sick or something too. Like I need my space. Just let me suffer alone and get through it, cool. and then I will emerge back out into society. And I'll, I mean, you know, of course that's different for like my husband and like my close circle because like I'm okay if they're in my space in those moments. But as far as like acquaintances or just like strangers if something happened and I have like an emotional something starting to happen then it's like I gotta get to my car before I can start feeling feelings or if I'm starting to feel sick it's like I gotta get home because no one can know I'm sick yes so I don't know <laughs> yes I totally relate to that I would not tell people I was not well yeah even if I've like done something silly like rolled an ankle at the gym or something I'm gonna go through all of the pain to make it look like I'm totally fine and nothing happened and then I can limp my way to the you know to my car from the parking lot or whatever when no one's watching you will not see weakness in me ever <laughs> I have a thought. I wonder, is it because you feel like you're going to impose on other people? I don't want them knowing my business. <laughs> and I don't mind them knowing my business. I don't want to make anybody feel sorry for me. I don't want anybody oh, feeling okay. like they have to care for me or like imposing on them. Kind of like you. You're always worried you're going to impose on someone. Yes, I am always worried I'm going to impose on someone. And it makes me feel weak to impose. So I do everything out of my in my power to not impose. <laughs> I don't love asking for help. But if it's people that I trust, like, okay, this last week was like a nightmare at our house because got back from vacation and we were trying to do laundry and our laundry wasn't draining and oh. so we had the plumber come out tree roots old pipes we have completely new plumbing on like the north half of our house right now oh. um it was awful but anyway so this weekend once they like patched up all the plumbing and all of the like major stuff was fixed they left our house in like total chaos where there's just like shattered tiles everywhere we've got to redo flooring there was debris and dust everywhere from like all the jackhammering it wasn't anything major or difficult but the cleanup was going to take forever and so for like the small group of people that we had told like what happened um they're like hey do you need any help it's like actually if you wouldn't mind i know this is not exciting but we could really use someone to like wipe off the walls because there's dirt everywhere <laughs> brian's parents came over because they live here in Oklahoma. And then one of my good friends came over and helped me learn how to uh, lay tile in our pantry. <laughs> it was nice to have help, but I would only entrust that with my close circle. I think you even resist that. I, I think I even <laughs> resist that. <Yeah. laughs> 
I don't know why. I wish I didn't. I think the people around me wish I didn't too. No, but exactly. It's really difficult because I don't know how to sense the need unless someone asks. So I, I hate thinking that I could have helped you and you didn't ask and I didn't know. Yeah. And then on the flip side, I'm always happy to do like projects for my friends too. So <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it's harder to ask for help than it is to help like because one of my friends called me and she was like I have a wasp in my house I was like okay I'll be right there like (laughs) you don't even have to ask (laughs) no big deal yeah take care of this I will help friends without being asked I don't need any invitation to help but I instinctively know when they need help and maybe I just think people will instinctively know when I need help it's like a longing you have and there's been like one or two people that have yeah and you're like wow and they just leave a real imprint on you. But yeah. almost nobody has that. It's the combination of having the instinct to know and then the forward momentum to do something about it. A lot of people have one mm-hmm. or the, but not both. But we have both. Yeah. Yeah, it is a problem because I do sometimes expect that of others and I'm disappointed of others regularly when they don't reciprocate it. But I am very aware, thank you, Enneagram, that they're just not aware. <laughs> no, I can kind of see that now, like, where you like, oh yeah, I would do anything for this person. And then you think you're on the same page and then it's like cricket yes. on their end. But at the same time, it's not like we asked them to help. So, but yeah. you just kind of like think that they should know, even though we won't tell them and we're kind of hiding it from them. True. <laughs> Don't see my weakness, but come meet my need. <laughs> it's like, I think of Jerry Maguire, help me help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things that Jim Zartman said that I, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about is he says, I'm always looking for who needs to be empowered and how do I strengthen them? I don't care about power structures. Everyone is mine to protect, defend and empower. If I cannot do that, then I am not valuable. That last bit, if I can't do that, then I don't feel valuable. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that hits pretty hard. The only thing I would say different for me is that I don't feel like everyone is mine to protect. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it kind of depends. Yeah. I'll handle an, like what I would say an emergency situation like at the gym yesterday or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it's not like I need to follow up with those people and like empower them to communicate better as a family. Like that's not my problem. Right. <laughs> and kind of like you said, the person sitting alone crying, I don't know that I would necessarily go over to them either. It's not right. my, but if you are in my close circle, I will die for you. I will defend you to the death. 100%. What does it feel like to be outside the group? Do you ever feel outside the group? I've always removed myself from groups that I feel like I just don't need to be a part of anymore. I've been removed from groups disciplinarily, like as a kid. (laughs) And then, of course, I had, you know, no regrets about that. What Joe actually wrote in question mark is social humiliation question mark. I'm curious to know if you relate to that. I would say like, it's pretty hard to embarrass me. Pretty hard. So Um, I actually think this is Joe's insecurity when she wrote the note because I was like social humiliation. No, I'm just pissed. I can't think of it. Yeah. At all. Um, Essentially, I was (laughs) I was kicked out of college. Um, (laughs) Not my fault. And no regrets. (laughs) That was an example of where I was removed from a situation. And I wasn't humiliated. I was pissed. Because I felt like there was an injustice that was imposed upon me. What did I do? I was like, okay, well, just because I can't go to this college doesn't mean I can't go beat them at competition playing for this other college. Boom. Did it. You guys know the rules of the social movement that you're in. And so Mm -hmm. you getting kicked out, you understand exactly why and you accept the time. Whereas I never know what's happening in a group and so I always feel foolish we wrong-footed so I'm humiliated all the time Mm. 
by groups. Mm -hmm. I am so weak in a group is what it feels like. So my life experience is a whole lot of social humiliation has everything to do with not understanding. So I feel like a child, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like you're living in a foreign language. Totally. It's just not the water I know how to swim in. I have the same story as yours. I was kicked out of our church and like when I was 19 or something and like I was not humiliated at all and it was publicly done. Again, I was just pissed. But I think Joe's right. I think it's because I understand the rules they're playing by. Whether I agree or don't agree, I understand the rules. Which means you still hold power there. Whether you're in or out. And I just don't feel I have any in a group. The Mm. only... I gain power is when I take off and do my own thing, then I'm in full power. And I don't care if I'm outside at that point. I'm watching the group from the outside going, I'm more powerful than all of you. But I'm outside it. (laughs) Right. Uh That's why I'm maverick. That's why I'm lone wolf, contrarian, all those things, right? Okay, so Joe, Mm -hmm. do you ever feel lusty for revenge when you've been mistreated or humiliated? That's not how I'd put it. I would say that satisfaction would come in from the group realizing I was right. Okay, okay. I don't demand it, but I long for it. (laughs) So I am like really aware that there will actually be a day where the thing that I saw before other people saw it, that the group acting like lemmings were like jumping off the cliff about, it's going to be found out. It's going to be revealed. And I'm quietly waiting for that day. And Uh excited for that day if I, my heart is ugly there is a kind of smugness or whatever but yeah totally at its best I'm longing to be joined again and like mm. wrapped up in the group because they finally see what I saw yeah that's really cool that's interesting because I'm really petty <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's never like big stuff that really hurts people but like I love me some petty revenge I would like to see someone else that did something to hurt me or someone else like just get a little bit of a taste of their own medicine and so if I can kind of facilitate that just a little bit then I'm gonna (laughs) gonna stir the pot just a little bit but of course I'm not gonna get caught because I've you know convinced 10 other people to kind of like follow that path so I don't know I was just curious on that one (laughs) continuing down the dark side of our uh, social side do you have like a very keen awareness of being like for or against something you'd be very aware of an outsider trying to threaten the group and so then you could stand very much against them as a threat if you're not with us you're against us if I am against someone that I see as a threat to a group then I can turn the whole group against that person, like you said. But most of the time, I'm not going to be that harsh because usually the reason I don't like someone is because they've got some other stuff going on. So yeah, I feel like I do have that power if I wanted to invoke it. But most of the time, I don't think things are black and white enough to like straight up do that. We had this guy... I mean, we always get like strange people that come into martial arts gyms. I always joke and say you always have to have like a little bit of father issues to fight. (laughs) (laughs) We had a guy that came into our gym and soon as he came in on the first day, I like immediately clocked him as like trouble. He was just a whole red flag. And of course, I hadn't even talked to him yet, but I could just tell. Sure enough, he starts causing problems and he's not being a good teammate or a good partner. And he's like injuring people on purpose. And Of course, our coach is taking him to the side and like, hey, you can't do that. Like, you keep doing that, you're out. But he would just keep sweet talking his way back into coming back to class after being in trouble or whatever. So I was like, okay, this guy's not going to leave. And so I barred with him and like kicked him in the liver. So if you don't know, yeah, the liver shuts you down, FYI. It's kind of like you're knocked out, but you're awake. Okay. It doesn't cause brain damage, but you're just, your whole body like seizes up because your organs are like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, So you're just kind of like frozen on the ground in like abdominal pain for like 
a solid 30 seconds or more. And I didn't do that until he started escalating on me and was trying to hurt me. So that's when I shut him down. But after that point, I was like, you need to get your shit together. Like, you need to stop trying to injure people. He just like couldn't handle it and would keep trying to do the same thing to other people. And so I like started digging into his criminal record. <laughs> I'm I'm like decently good at looking people up on the internet. Anyway, oh, I think um, that might also be a social thing. Yeah. I just had this conversation with Joe before this interview. We were talking about something and I was like, I can find anything out on anyone I want ever. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. You can't hide from me. So looked into his criminal record, saw that he had a warrant out for like beating up his baby mama. And so I was like, how interesting. And so kind of just made sure that that information went into the law enforcement's (laughs) knowledge about maybe what his schedule would look like. And he went to prison for a little bit. So So he got out of your gym. See, you took him out. He brought it upon himself. Oh, no, no. Wasn't vindictive. (laughs) It was necessary. The sake of the group. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Jess. Anyways, thank you yeah. so much. I'm glad we got to connect finally. Yeah, it was so good talking to you guys. Go beat some people up. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> thanks, Jess. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. Mm-hmm.